coming up next on The Health Hustle. Just don't give up. You know, I think there were so many opportunities where I could have just gave up and took the easy road. And and I think with entrepreneurship, there's going to be so many challenges and there's going to be so many easy opportunities for you to just quit and give up. I've had my share of them. And I think if, you know, I'm happy I never listened to those doubts and maybe, you know, giving myself that advice, maybe not have done so much because I didn't give into the doubts. But I think ultimately had I, had I did, I don't think I would have been as happy in, in the life that I'm at right now. And so I think just, you know, the biggest piece of advice, especially for somebody out there listening, that is thinking about taking that next step and taking that, you know, should I do it? Should I not trust yourself? Again, everything happens to your benefit. As long as you're going into it with the right intentions and with the right, I think, energy, right? Like I think you're my, one of my best friends likes to say your vibration, right? And I think how you, the energy that you bring in, into anything, I think that carries a lot of weight. And just be true to yourself. And just, don't, like I said, just don't give up. Hey folks, and welcome to the Health Hustle of Austin, Texas. On this show, we uncover the big ideas from your fellow health and fitness entrepreneurs in the Austin, Texas area about how they built their business and the lessons they learned along the way. What's up, y'all? Corey here, and on this episode, I had a chance to sit down with my buddy, Brendan Fellows of East Austin Athletic Club. Brendan grew up in Southern California, went to college in Orange County, and lived in Huntington Beach before moving to the great city of Austin, Texas. His favorite book is Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. I highly recommend this book. I've read it a couple times, and it's a phenomenal story about the lessons he learned from a really hard war and how that carries over to just everyday life and leadership. His go-to activities is taking his dogs on a hike, paddleboarding, and oddly enough, playing video games. I used to be a video gamer myself. I don't anymore, but I totally get how it's a good tool to just kind of unwind. One of the main questions that we're going to answer on this episode specifically, though, is how to grow and maintain a healthy gym culture like what they've done at East Austin Athletic Club. Some of the other things that we get into are where he learned the value of respect, why integrity is so important to him, the desire to help others, chasing your dreams, the drama of firing his first employee, that was interesting, trusting the universe or God or whatever you believe in, the road more stupid, his words, not mine, the future of East Austin Athletic Club, grit or just don't quit, and so much more. Thing, if you're a health or fitness professional and you're having difficulties getting leads, one of the most common reasons that I see this is not having a well-defined niche. If you go to the link in the description, I have a free three-step process that walks you through exactly how to get clarity on which niche is best suited for you and your business. Without further ado, let's go. I did some stand-up comedy, actually. Really? Yeah, short stint of it. It only because I was trying to do things that were very uncomfortable for me. Yeah. And that ranks super freaking high. <sighs> is like it's probably one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever done. There's nothing more painful. Well, there are, but there's very few things more painful than bombing on stage. Yeah. And this was like this was right during like COVID. And do you? I don't know if you follow. I don't follow the news, but it was during like the George Floyd stuff that was yeah. going on back in Minnesota, where yeah, I'm yeah. from. Mm-hmm. And so I had a few of those like jokes that were like in that realm of the George Floyd thing yeah, yeah. that was going on. Ooh, that must have been tough. Oh, dude. Because <laughs> like that's so much of comedy is yeah. like comedy is you walk the line yeah. of what's inappropriate mm-hmm. and what's like funny. And I walked the line and I might have been on the wrong side at some point. You got to be like the, a world class tip tiptoe dancer, you know, <laughs> to be able to like, I think um, Jezelnik, Anthony Jezelnik does a really good job yeah. of like of that and um but anyways yeah i think 
yeah, there, I think if I were to do stand-up comedy, I think I'd be, yeah, I, I, that's what I find funny. I find things that are a little outrageous, that are a little out of pocket, if you will. And I think that's what makes comedy comedy because it is saying something that's like completely outrageous that you would never say and you would never mean it. But like when you say it, you're almost like, ooh, like, you know, and then like the, the old lady clutching her pearls, like, oh, yeah. I can't believe you'd say that. I think that's, I think nowadays, especially nowadays, I think that's what's really funny, but. Well, that's what's interesting about comedy in general now is because like people will pull up old stuff yeah. and they're like, well, this like went over the line. It was like, yeah, but at the time, right yeah. at the time, it doesn't matter, which is what is so cool of what Joe Rogan's done with the mothership, the new club. Mm-hmm. Have you been there yet? I haven't. I, you know, me and um, my fiance's brother are trying to get tickets. It is all the way booked out through September. Damn. I mean, and we're like, and as a comedian will come up, you have like maybe 15, 20 minutes before everything gets booked out and it's. So once we can finally go, I'm, I mean, we're so, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I went to, um, the comedy store actually, this was like 2014, 2013. And, um, we just went on a Tuesday and this is before I knew of the Joe Rogan era and like, you know, what the comedy store means to LA, but we went there on a Tuesday night and it was, um, this was when Chris D'Elia was doing his drunk girls bit, you know, like, I'm yeah, like yeah, you yeah. know, like, is yeah. this your crocodile? Yeah. That one. So he, he was doing that bit at the time. <laughs> Joe Ross was there. He, and uh, David Tell, they did, they did a uh, 30 minutes of just roasting. Uh, um, and it was just like, this is a Tuesday night. And I was completely blown away. Um, I didn't appreciate it for what it was, but now looking back and I'm like, oh my God, that was, that I was there during the heyday, kind of unbeknownst to me that this was the, the peak of comedy and I was just oblivious to it. But yeah. now looking, it's a good memory now, kind of looking back on it. Well, that's what I was going to say about the Joe Rogan's new club is that because they don't allow any devices and they make you lock your phone up and all yeah. that stuff like that. And I didn't realize it. I realize it now, but I didn't realize it at the time is like what they've done is they've created a safe space for comedians to actually do what comedians do best yeah. is like say inappropriate things that might rub people the wrong way without the worry that it's like going to go on the Internet and people are going to hammer them and slam them for yeah. some of the things that they said. Because sometimes these bits aren't really worked out. and Right. Gotta, you know, fix them and... You people know, maybe people forget it's jokes. Yeah, yeah. They take it personally. Right. Especially yeah. when it's on the internet. People are for complete. And I get that. I guess if it's on the internet, you forget that it's comedy, that it's a joke, that yeah. we're making fun of something. So like that's why they don't allow any recording in it, which I love. Yeah. And I think it's great for comedy. They, yeah. There is a couple. I mean, I listen to it all the time. We could go on about it, but yeah, I hear common comedians talking about how like i think louis ck had a bit that he did it was right after the shooting that, that was happened in florida do you remember that mm-hmm. um and he did a joke about you know just because the joke was like something like just because you used a fat kid as a body shield or whatever like doesn't mean you're here or whatever right i'm obviously butchering the joke i'm not doing a job justice but somebody filmed that this happened like two days after the shooting somebody filmed it put it on the internet and he's like well i was just working that out i wasn't done with it yet um and i think yeah but having that safe space for them maybe you're gonna get a more polished product something a little bit funnier but you know i don't know sometimes i think these changes can be good like changing our thought process can be a good thing but sometimes you can't take it a little too far and totally oh yeah oh for sure there's always boundaries but uh as a side note we can talk about it after the show but there is a way to actually get tickets if you kind of have the in of knowing how to get them yeah i gotta figure that out yeah, I can definitely help you definitely. out with that. But anyways, welcome to the show, Brandon Fellows. How you doing, brother? I'm doing amazing, man. Thank you so much for having me on. A um, little nervous, but I'm excited to, to talk with you, man. Yeah, don't be. Everything is editable. So, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, But where I want to start with you is growing up in California as a as a explorer with the police department. Yeah. Can we talk about like how that experience shaped you a little bit? Yeah, so I... Um, 
when I wanted, I wanted to be a police officer my whole life growing up. And, um, one of my football coaches at the time was the captain at Manhattan beach police department. And, uh, they like to say there that you carry a hairdryer and not a gun, you know, <laughs> there's not much to do. I, I'm not kidding. One time when, um, we, we got a, a 911 call because the neighbor's wind chimes were too loud. Oh my gosh. So we had to ask the neighbor to take their wind chimes down. Yeah, so that was kind of like the crime that we had. So it wasn't like a super intense, um, like LAPD explorers would be, but definitely the kind of the the values that they instill in you. That's what really helped me car- carried me into my adult life. Just the kind of the, showing the respect to to elders and you know, yes, ma'am, no, sir. I think just kind of carrying yourself in that professional way has helped me gain garner a lot of respect from people in uh, positions above me because I've always treated everybody with respect. And and now when I'm running my own business, I carry that. I treat my employees with respect. I treat the members, everybody that walks through that door, everybody's the same to me. Everybody gets the same level of respect. And, um, and that was one of the big values that they really instill in you is integrity is, is respect. Um, and like, you know, what my, what one of my police, the Sergeant, the, the, he oversaw the the whole entire department. His name was uh, Schreiber. Or no, I'm sorry, Sergeant Tobias. You know, he's like character is what you do when you think nobody's watching, mm-hmm. right? For sure. You know, if you're gonna, are you just gonna hold your hand over that fire? You know, or are you gonna move it, right? And so, kind of one, you know, that was a big thing for us was what are what do you do when think no one's watching you, and how are you gonna carry yourself, right? Like, are you gonna continue to be that same person? even with the chief is watching you or if nobody's watching, are you that same person? Are you going to carry yourself that same way? And, um, you know, that's been one of the, the, I mean, I guess I would say the, the key to the, to my success because I don't have a lot of those, you know, credentials of like, you know, all these degrees and things like that. I've had to kind of rely on street smarts and, and just ultimately being a people person and talking to people and, understanding relationships and and being respectful and and conducting myself essentially how i would want uh, other people to treat me is another big part of it one of my favorite words of all time is just integrity i feel like that's so much of what you're talking about is it's teaching you a degree of integrity i'm going to give you the dumbest example of how this literally just showed up in my life yesterday i was running super behind on some of my podcast interviews hadn't eaten all day it was probably like 2 p.m at this point and I have a roommate at this current moment. I not I won't at the end of the month, but he uh, he has like the, he had these bananas on the counter, and I wanted to just like take one banana because I'm like dying. I wanted to crush a protein shake, but I didn't because like I knew he wouldn't even notice either. Yeah. But I didn't because like I would know. Yeah. And I wasn't okay with that. Yeah. Is like I didn't want to just like do it, even though I knew I could get away with it from that exact reason yeah. of just like I would have had to walk around with that guilt. I mean, you know, that's so funny you say that today. Um, before I, I was here, I worked out. Um, we sell protein shakes and energy drinks at our gym. You know, I, I buy them with my, my, the money I make from the club, right? Yeah. I use that money to buy those, buy them at wholesale costs. And then we sell them back at the club. Well, I'm, I could easily just take one out of the fridge and no one would say anything. No one right. would go, Brendan, you need to pay for that. Right. But I want, it. but like I'm paying for it because it's just like that same thing. Like I could take it, but that's stealing for me. I'm stealing from my business. And then I'm sending the example. Totally. Right. And oh. everybody, an employee sees that and then they go, Oh, Brennan did it. It must not that be that big of a deal. And so, and then, but today no one was at the gym. I was by myself and I wrote my name down on that clipboard and signed out <laughs> a protein shake and an energy drink because I don't know, it's just, I could have taken it, but to your point, it's like, I would know. And 
Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. I think when you start to let those little things slip, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think then it becomes easier to make those justifications in your in other places in your life. And you know, another adage from sports is like you practice how you play, right? And if you're and when I think practice is doing that thing when no one's watching, mm-hmm. right? And how you conduct yourself when no one's watching. So if I'm practicing putting my name down on that piece of paper and signing my name out, and I in my teams and everyone you know my coaches and my staff see that, then that just bleeds into their mentality and and they're like, okay, well Brennan cares. I'm gonna write it down, and then maybe that thought carries with them to, you know, you're at the you're at the grocery store and you see a cart that's out and you push it back because you're on your way and you could easily do it. Totally. And then maybe that manifests into you're at a stop sign and you see somebody holding up a sign. Look, I'm hungry, and you have a, they have a kid with them. And maybe that thought process of, you know what, maybe that kindness, because I, ha- I can, I should, and maybe I should this time. Yeah. Right? You hit on a really important aspect of that slippery slope goes both directions, right? Yeah. I think the slippery slope could go into the less ideal, less integrity direction, but it can also go in the opposite direction of like doing one act of kindness or doing one act of goodness and how that continues to compound yeah. in that direction and how that yeah. shows up in your life. I have a, two kind of questions about the police thing is like, one, what was it about wanting to be a police officer? I'm kind of interested in that because you could have been a firefighter. You could have yeah. been anything. So I'm curious about that. And also, too, is like some of those lessons of like early integrity. Um, if I had to guess, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure some of it probably came from your father. But maybe yeah. where does some of that stuff show up? I've always wanted I think it really boils boils down to wanting to help people. And um, it was never wanting to necessarily fight bad guys but it was more so being something and being like a help to my community, you know, and it sounds weird, but one time when I was, I was, this is back when I was still in elementary school and, um, my sister was in middle school. So she started earlier than me and my dad. So my dad went, took my sister to school and then came and got me. And in that time when he left to drop my sister off, I was like, you're abandoning me. And I like took nine, called the phone, called nine one one, right? Like a six year old, dramatic six-year-old does 911 I hello and I hang up immediately because I was like oh they actually answered like I like I called my own bluff on on essentially and then um didn't think anything would happen sure enough a police car pulls up oh, maybe yeah. 20 15 minutes later yeah. and I'm like freaking out I'm like oh my god I'm gonna be arrested this is it I'm gonna go to jail and the man was so I don't remember his name but I just remember him being so kind and being so nice and being just like you know, Hey, my, I have a son of my own and he's done this before and don't worry. You know, he's like, don't let it happen again kind of thing. And, but was just very kind. I was, I guess, you know, I was expecting this like chest being yelled at being, you know, having this lecture of like, how dare you and wasting my time. But it was like, I'm happy to know you're okay, but this is what happens when you call 911. And he gave me like a little sticker and then now, and he just went, Oh my God. And it was just like a very positive experience. And um, I just wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to have some some kind of impact on my community. And then to kind of dig into the integrity. And I, I learned a hard lesson in that I wanted to be a police officer. And the reason I'm not now is because I learned the hard way of what lying can do and not being truthful because I was scared of the truth. I was scared of being honest with myself because I was ashamed of of that. And rather than meeting it head on and being like, hey, this is my fault. This is what I did wrong. And and then owning it, I lied about it and I tried to hide it. And to be totally frank, it was like I was, I was smoking weed when I was like 14, 15. I knew you were going to say that because I went to a college where a ton of my roommates were law enforcement degree people. And like that was a big thing was like when it came up to like they were going to ask them, have you ever done drugs or anything like that? 
they would all be like, should I lie? Do I tell the truth? Like, what do I do? So yeah. I totally know what you're talking about. And you know, the, the crappiest part about it is, is that I got the advice from other, my parents, but they, again, they don't know they're hippies from the seventies. So they're like, you don't tell them that they're going to, you know, my parents are kind of not necessarily, my dad's, they're not necessarily any establishment back when they were 20, you know, in the seventies they were. And they're like, just don't trust them. Right. Be careful. Like I wouldn't, you know, if you really want this done. So I took that advice and, um, got through the explorers. Everything was fine. And then, you know, lied about it. Just didn't really lie. Just omitted it. Didn't tell them. And then an opportunity came up to be a cadet, which is a paid version of a, an explorer. You get like 15 bucks an hour. And then 2010, that's like a lot of money. So I'm like, all right, this is awesome. An opportunity. And then you fill out what's called a personal history statement. And on that, I was completely honest, learned all integrity, right? Cause before explorers didn't have any of those values. Fast forward three, four years later, you know, I'm now a sergeant in my post, you know, I'm training other explorers for them to be, you know, entry level explorers to, you know, go to their departments, all those things, um, which by the way, was every Saturday during the school years, every Saturday, 5am to 4pm. So you get there at 5am for what like morning inspection, you had to be in business attire, black pants, black shoes, white shirt, belt tucked in, your hair had to be a perfect length, any like I would shave my head the day before or the morning of, cause I'd be so worried about my hair being too long. And I'd have like one time I had hair on my shoulders. I had to do pushups for like an 20 minutes because I had hair on my shoulders or like in my ear from like shaving my head. So it was like super intense. And they did that to like weed out people and like who's mentally strong, who's not. So you go through all these things. It's a very difficult process, but you learn these incredibly powerful values of leadership, integrity, and um, you know, not just leadership and how you talk, but how you act, how you present yourself. Right. Um, and then come to this thing. I've learned all these values, completely forget that I lied as an explorer and pretty much they had my name penciled in for this job. And then like, just to honor the system, we need you to go through these processes and go through the interviews. And in that time I was like, this is when I smoked, this is who I did it with. This is why I did it. Da, 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 da. And they looked at one and then the other, and they were like, oh, you never didn't do it here, but you're admitting that you did it here. Mm. So you must've did it when you were a police officer or while you were in the, not police officer, but a police explorer. And, um, and that's where it really bit me in the ass. And from that point forward, I dealt with immense guilt of like what I did. And it just pretty much never panned out for me. I mean, I tried to be a jailer for Redondo Beach. I tried to be a, a, a Riverside County Sheriff, which was all the way out in like middle of nowhere, California, like Sun Valley, um, Death Valley area, like just middle of nowhere, Hemet. And I was like, that's not for me. Like, this isn't what I want to do. So that's when I kind of went back into college um, to figure out my path. But I mean, it was one of the best things that happened to me because it, it was just a stop along the way of this like journey, this really long marathon of life. It was just one of those necessary steps to instill some like strong foundation to help me like where I'm at today. You know? What an incredible lesson to learn early on is just the value of integrity, man. Like, yeah. I think it takes people a long time to learn a lot of that stuff. I know I definitely didn't have a lot of that at earlier ages of my life. So like what a huge blessing yeah. to get from that. And just as a side note too, from this conversation, it's so funny for me because I, like I was saying, I remember my roommates when they graduated college and they were trying to become cops at the time, it was insanely competitive to be yeah. able to become an officer. So like, so hard. Yeah. And so like any sort of minor dent in your resume or if like somebody, if they like interviewed somebody else that you know of like a reference and they said anything that was out of line mm -hmm. with what maybe something you said, like you weren't getting hired. Automatic. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't getting hired, which is hilarious when you look at it now today. And I feel like they're probably like begging, scrounging, yeah. begging for people. Yeah. Which is just like good context for life in general of like, if you feel like you're scrounging for something, it's like, well, in a couple of years, are you still going to be scrounging for that? thing probably yeah. not 
in, yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. I mean, man, I had, um, it was just a blessing in disguise. I mean, especially with how they're it, like, just the way that the world, like, you know, we all see the news and man, I'm, I feel pretty lucky in the, the, in the field that I'm in right now and the path that I'm on, because I get to still help people and I get to still bring joy to people's lives and, and essentially save their lives, you know, without putting my life in danger. Totally. Um, but yeah. So speaking of that, I want to get into some of the experiences of just your parents having an event planning business. Yeah. So is that something that you feel like has shown up in your life? And like, what are maybe some of the lessons you learned from just like growing up with two parents that were running their own business? Just the, like what it takes to get your dream off the ground, I Mm -hmm. think is a big part of it. You know, if it wasn't, you know, fortunately my father, um, was a huge part of my life. I mean, he was a, my football coach. Taught me to throw a football, taught me to throw a baseball. Um, he was he never missed a game, you know, football, high, high school football, track and field meets. I mean, he was there. My dad was super involved. My mom was the more, she was more the uh, ones and zeros, numbers person. You know, she, she did the financials. My dad kind of was the idea guy. But, you know, and then as we got older, my mom, she was also great, very involved. And, um, you know, so it was just like seeing how, they still prioritize their family while still being able to run a business. And, you know, it showed me like it's both, it's possible to do both, but like that drive, that fierceness to constantly get, you know, there was time 2008 was super tough for my family, like very challenging that recession, that 08 recession, Mm. people weren't just not getting married. Right. And businesses weren't having big parties. And that was kind of my parents' bread and butter, you know, North of Grumman and their employee dinners and employee lunches and all that kind of stuff. And when that stopped, that was, um, and I'm sure COVID was another one, but it was just a big, big change. And, and, you know, rather than giving up and selling the business, they put their heads down and continued to grind. And there was some really, really tight months and, but you know, they, they pushed through and, and as entrepreneurs, we're all going to experience that, you know, we're going to experience those, those tight moments, but sticking, you know, sticking kind of focus on your North star and kind of the why behind it, I think helped them understand like to push through those harder moments, harder times. Two questions from that. One was you and your sister pretty involved in, or involved in all in some of the event planning piece of it. And two, is event planning more or less like a hospitality business? Is it more of like just being a people person and just like really wanting to please people? So yes, we were both involved heavily as kids. We were like, I mean, I can remember serving tables, like not necessarily serving tables, but it was like bringing out food. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, they'd plate the food and we'd bring it out and put it at the table or whatever. And we'd get tips, you know, that would be our money. We'd get like, you know, 80 bucks in tips and I'd go right to best GameStop or whatever, (laughs) you know, buy like what the next video game or whatever it was. But yeah, that was, we were involved. And then now my sister, she's killing it. I mean, she's really a phenomenal entrepreneur. I mean, you talk about somebody that burns the midnight oil. She's there 12, 14 hours a day. She lives, breathes, and eats weddings and events. I mean, she's a wedding connoisseur. She's done over a million dollars in sales alone in weddings, you know, and, and, and she's like every weekend, it's something, um, which you would be like, Oh, Brandon, you're getting married. Your sister's a wedding planner and event, but she's so busy getting my sister to, to plan my weddings impossible. And and, uh, (laughs) I love her to death. So she's like, I, I, you know, I'll get one of my friends to do it. And so we're like, all right. Um, and then I think Ashley's mom is now settling on it. But anyways, um, besides the point, yeah, my sister's killing it. She was more so involved in that and and now she's really taken over the business my dad's 70 my mom's my dad's 75 and my mom's 68 so they're they're done no longer really they're my mom kind of cuts payroll checks my dad's just hangs out at the house and goes to rotary meetings for you know ucla brew and stuff 
And, uh, my sister is just, she's the one that's kind of spearheading the business now. And hmm. it's kind of crazy how, I mean, I guess it just runs in the family, right? It's, it's part of the blood. you know, you, once you see that entrepreneurial, like, you know, how f- the freedom that my parents had to really do whatever they wanted, right? The decision was theirs. It was ultimately their decision. And that freedom is something that I was like, man, I, I got to have that. Like, mm. so thinking corporate, like a corporate job was never really, I never really thought like now, now that I'm out of the police thing, I was like, okay, what do I want to do? Corporate just doesn't sound fun. So I've always been like, okay, how can I be my own boss? You know, do you know what motivates you on that point? Exactly. Is it, is it the freedom? Is it the autonomy? Is it the, do you have like something pushing you? Like, what is it that motivates you? I just want the, I want the freedom. I want, I want to be able to be my own boss. And I think I was getting my haircut one time, um, by this guy named Damien, who's over on South Congress now is a short hair company. And, um, he was talking to me and he said something, this is like, so I was at orange theory. I had left Orange Theory to be at Heat Boot Camp, which is another local Austin company. I was there. I was like running camps there. I was personal training, and this was kind of like the start of like really kind of finding my identity as a personal trainer and what I wanted. And he said something to me. He's like, "Man, I was sitting on this cruise ship. I had saved up all my money, and this is my barber telling me this. And he's like, I saved up all my money. Me and my kid. I spent six months, you know, saving up for this trip or however long it was. And I'm laying out on the pool deck, and I look to my left and right, and I see all these people." Right. And all these really rich, you know, white people around him. And he's like, you know, I'm Hispanic and I feel a little bit out of place. I'm looking at them and, and these people, they're, they're just, they have these drink packages. And he's like, we're, I'm thinking, oh, I need to live within my means. I need to make sure I have enough money so that when I get back from this trip, I can pay my bills. And then he's like, I want to be where I'm on a trip. And I look at my bank account, I'm like, man, I just got paid, you know, mm. where I don't have to work. And that autonomy of being able to essentially create your own hours and, and be able to say, you know, like that residual income, that, that freedom that comes along with it. That's what motivated me to kind of start my own business and, and not necessarily start my own business, but get into the fitness space in the capacity that I'm in now at East Austin Athletic Club. Um, yeah. So just that, that was a motivator. I was like, man, I'm tired of, I mean, and another point of it was, you know, orange, not to harp on this, but the studio corporate model, it's so focused on ones and zeros. Mm. Nobody's, there's no personality. There's no personal touch to it. And I got tired of that because I love the fitness space. I loved what I was doing to my community and, and how everybody was having these amazing workouts. And, you know, we had these awesome, you know, 50, 60 person member socials and everybody was really committed to each other. And then COVID hit and it was still super strong. And I was like, man, this is, we're doing, making all these right decisions. And then, you know, as things get bigger and bigger and corporate happens, it's just, it's harder to make these more kind of more local decisions because everything is on the macro and, I was just tired of answering to somebody who I didn't think their ideas were that great, <laughs> uh, to be totally honest. And now that um, I'm the boss, I feel like the pressure's on to make the right decisions, but it's a learning process. And, you know, I can relate in so many ways, man. It's a big reason that I got out of healthcare is that the setting that I was in, it was more or less exactly what you're talking about, that corporate aspect of it. And you're right, is that I got into it because I genuinely wanted to help people and serve and make a difference and help people improve their life. And then you get jammed into a system where it's all about how can we make more money this quarter? Yeah. And even the conversations that I remember we would have, I'd always like describe it as a, it looked like a shit covered lollipop because like they would pitch it to us as if somehow charging more units was also serving people at a higher level was helping them get better faster. And it was like, no, you're just trying to make numbers. Like, I don't care how you pitch this to me. Like it's, there's no hiding it. Like my bullshit meter is pretty high. And so that's exactly how I got out of it. It was like, I don't, I don't agree with the way that we're doing this. And that's the entire healthcare system. Yeah, man. I mean, especially fitness and especially it's a relationship based business. And you know, when you get, 
uh, I hate to harp on orange theory, but that's just kind of my experience. And I think not, this isn't the same for all markets, but especially kind of here and where we're at, you know, the, the way that they run the, the studios I hear it's, it's about money. Right. And it's, they're not talking like when in my head coaches meetings and this, I don't know what they're doing now and it could be completely different. It's been a long time since I've been there, but the times that we were there while we were there, we were focused on how can we get more members, not how can we keep the ones that we already have. <laughs> and so when you're in the game of like, well, we need a hundred new signups for this month, a hundred new members in a month, especially at the gym that we're at now. I mean, the gym is sustainable. The gym's profitable that we're that the one that I'm in. And if my quota was a hundred members a month, I mean, that's like the, we must have 80 people, 70 or 80 to 90 people leaving them to mm. replace, right? That we need a hundred because there's 90 leaving. And that was the case, you know, because again, you're, there was a lot of moving pieces. There was never the same person there and we had a really good thing going. And, and so during the pandemic, kind of go on a tangent, I'm, I'm Mr. Tangent, by the way. So reel me back if you're you good, me too. you're crushing. Um, but during the pandemic, um, you know, the way that they pay their coaches, and this is kind of why I left. So this is kind of the story of why, how I got to East Austin Athletic Club and like kind of my journey there. So pandemic happens. The way that they pay their coaches is a scale, a sliding scale. The more people, the more money, right? The more people in your class, the more money you get paid. In other regions, if somebody signs up and doesn't show, the coach still gets paid for their spot, right? Because the, the club charges a fee. You don't show up, 20 bucks, because you didn't show, right? That's your no-show fee. And they, you would use that money to pay the coach for that person's spot. Well, here they keep that money and, mm -hmm. and the, and the coach doesn't see any of it and that person doesn't show up. Well, that's one less person. Therefore you're not going to get paid as much. Right. And my coaches were averaging $65 a class. Right. Um, they were paying, getting paid, which was the highest in the region. COVID hits then because of social distancing, they have to cut down the size of spaces. Right. So automatically now classes went from being able to host like 30 people down to like, I think it was 13 or it was like 27, 26 people. And it went down to 13 and the way the sliding scale works, right? The more people, the more money. Well, they were capping class sizes. And so I had coaches coming to me and going, Brennan, I need you to fire me because I need to go back on unemployment because I can't, I can't work because I'm not making enough money. I'm working, you know, 26 classes a week. I'm coaching, imagine 26 personal training sessions a week. That's far too much energy, especially with what, you, if you've ever been to an Orange Theory class, you yep. know the energy they bring. Yep. And so they're like, I'm just exhausted at the end of the day. Like I physically can't do this. I need, a, you know, a healthy workload is 15, right? And we're almost doubling that for some coaches just so that they can make ends meet. And so a lot of my coaches were like, there's a, there's a, an elite membership. And if somebody, the way that the, or yeah, the way that the scales, if, if you're unlimited, it's a fee. But if you're elite or basic and you sign up, you don't show, they just take that class from your package for that month. Not saying that this was the good idea. This was a, this was poor judgment on my part, but it happened. And I told my coaches it was okay to sign those elite and basic members in because they were already losing the class and the club wasn't, or the studio wasn't charging them. So it was like, in my head, I thought no one was losing, right? And, I, and it was a way for me to keep my coaches on board. And then a couple months happen, goes by, we then open up capacity back to normal. We have a meeting in person, no email, no text. It was all in person because I knew kind of I could get in trouble with this. And I was like, hey, guys, we're going to put a stop to this. No more signing people in. You guys have a full class now. So, you know, if you see an elite person, they don't show up. That's a late cancel. You know, unfortunately, we're just going to go back to the way things were because you have the full opportunity. And it was always on the coaches to, like, promote their classes and make sure their classes are full. Um, so we were really about that. Not necessarily like we're going to spoon feed you, but you need to kind of fend for yourself, fill out your own class. If you want money, you got to fill them out kind of thing. 
months and months and months go by. We get a new manager. She's this girl's brand new. And I get, uh, I'm, I'm on vacation. I get COVID. I'm on vacation. Excuse me. I'm on vacation. I get COVID while on vacation. So I'm gone for like two and a half, three weeks. During that time, one of my coaches is now we caught him signing people into classes that weren't even there, that didn't even sign up. He would put them into the class so that he could get the next pay tier. tier. We found that out and I called a meeting with my bosses and I was like, we got to fire this guy. Unfortunately, it's my first time firing anybody. I would love for you to be there. The person's like, perfect. I'll be there. I'll support you. Don't worry. We'll have this conversation with him. Okay, cool. He's supposed to coach this class at noon. You cover that class for him. We're going to have a one-on-one -on -one with him. When the class is over, Brennan, you come in, finish up the conversation. He's gone. We'll figure out how to get his classes covered. In that time, as I'm coaching his classes, something happened. He said something. I don't know how he was able to turn the conversation, but pretty much was like, oh my God, I thought this was okay. I thought we were allowed to do this. I would never have done this if Brendan had never told me or showed me. And so it went from being this guy's like, kind of acting on alone, on his own, signing people in after we had the conversation of no. And he just kind of was like, well, they never told me no. And we just continued to do it. So they're like, because you allowed it, this is now kind of your fault. It's not his fault. He didn't know any better kind of thing. And so rather than firing me, they were like, we need you to step down. We need you to step down as head coach because, you know, kind of the way that this looks. And, you know, we, they, I think they kind of understood that maybe I need, I was a very integral part because I was the head coach for so long there. But what that did, you know, and, and I regret kind of like the way I went about it. I probably should never have let them do that in the first place, but I prioritized my team. You know, I prioritized the coaches and I think, and now obviously as a gym owner, I would never do that. <laughs> and, um, I would definitely, you know, I was thinking kind of single-mindedly in that, in that instance, but I think everything happens for a reason, right? It was on purpose and whether it was a bad, it was a bad decision. We can all agree on that. Definitely not a good business practice as a gym owner. Now we can all agree on that, but I think it served its pur purpose because it ultimately forced me out of my comfort zone. I was comfortable where I was. I was making decent money. I didn't, I wasn't growing. And because now I'm not making a salary, I'm now, now I'm, now I'm on that $25 per class pay rate, pay grade. And that's, you know, I was making three times that before. And so I had to kind of figure out what am I going to do? What am I, how am I going to pay for my lifestyle? I have this apartment downtown. You know, I'm set up for this and I'm not getting that money anymore. So what I'm going to do. And I think that was, I mean, I think you grow the most when you're the most uncomfortable. And I grew, I mean, that was, that was the, I think the biggest change in my life. And that's kind of led me to East Austin Athletic Club. Tony, who's my, my business partner, one of my best friends, he's, um, he reached out to me. I didn't know him at the time, but he took a class. This is years before I went to East Austin and he's like, Hey, we're opening a gym. This was like 2018. We're opening a gym in 2019. And Hold on. Pause for a second. Yeah. Before we get to how you opened East Austin Athletic Club, because yeah, I yeah. want to get to that story. Yeah, yeah. I want to pull back. No, you're good. <laughs> I just want to pull back real quick because I'm actually super curious as to what did you learn in those moments of like, now that you had to step down from this leadership position to now you're just like running classes. Yeah. I'm sure there was a degree of like, all right, now I need to hustle and like really <laughs> grind and like, but what are maybe some of the lessons you felt like you learned in that moment? I mean, I not to get religious, but like trust God, you know, I, um, you know, being a Christian, it's something that I was, I've kind of been struggling with before then. And, um, you know, I put my faith in God and I put my faith in, in him and, and knowing that like this is this and, you know, and you can replace God with the universe. Right. Like I put my faith in the universe. Right. Like Whatever you believe. I'm not somebody that pushes any kind of belief. But 
ultimately I had to just put my faith in, in the universe, right. And into God and say, Hey, I trust that this is the ultimately the right decision for me. And so I kind of wasn't scared, right. I knew something good was going to happen. I knew that like everything happens to your benefit. Mm. Everything happens. I mean, like you can look at something and say like this glass is half empty, or you can look at it and say the glass is half full. And this is ultimately the best thing for me. So the big lesson I was, I was terrified. I was very worried that you know, I wasn't going to succeed. I was, I, I was worried that maybe when I was at, or when I was working that corporate job, work, getting that salary, I wasn't putting in the time to learn, to grow, to, to expand my knowledge so that when this does, when that did happen, I felt like I wasn't prepared, hmm. but you know what? I was, I was prepared because I just went back to my default, right? I went back to my default setting was, and it worked, right? My default was work hard, put your nose to the grindstone, hustle, and, um, you know, as long as you can stay focused on the goal and I think, you know, it'll work out. Yeah. I love that. That's great. So, uh, Eastern Athletic Club. So this yeah. was the transition phase. Then. Yes. So now it's time to do your own thing officially. Yeah. So I caught, I kind of reached out, to, like I said, so I reached out to Tony. He had kind of approached me about the gym before. And at the time I was like, I still like, I was opening different studios, Orange Series studios, opened one in California, opened two in Austin. So I was still like, I was about to open my next one at the time. I'd only opened two by then, but I was about to open my third. And um, I was like, I'm going to see this through because I really want to start from start to finish. I want to see how that goes. Because I've always been like, I've always wanted to own a gym. I've always like, ever since I started with Orange Theory, I've always wanted to be my own. At first it was like, I wanted to own my own Orange Theory. And then it turned into like, I just want to own my own gym in general. Was, so, the, was the original interest in fitness just purely because like you had a background in sports? Like, yeah. Okay. So I had a best friend um, that was a huge athlete and he was... He, kicked for Houston. He was a kicker for the University of Houston. He went to El Camino College and, and went out to Houston. And he was the one that really pushed me to go to the gym a lot with him. And um, believe it or not, actually, I tell this story to my, my clients, but I had a girl, I was on a date, I was like 21. And um, she broke, she, she didn't, there wasn't a second date. And at the end, she's like, I have to be honest with you. I was like, I don't date guys without calluses on their hands. And you know, <laughs> oh. at the time, you know, it was like I was lotioning. We're good. Yeah. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, damn. I was like, my hands are soft. I was like, I thought that was nice. I thought that was like, <laughs> but um, so. Okay. Side note on that. Yeah. One of my pet peeves, my other pet peeve is people who wear gloves at the gym. I don't, I'm not trying to slam anybody, but honestly, I'm not friends with anybody that wears gloves at the gym. <laughs> like their fingers poking through. Yeah. I will say when in our gym, it's very, very cold. And I tell people, I'm like, get it, get some glove to put between your hand and the barbell mm. when it's 40 degrees outside, because those bars get frigid. That's and, different. I'm talking yeah. about like people who are like, oh, my hands are too, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. hurts my hands. It's like, what? you have hands, use them. Yeah. Like, what are you talking they about? They need to be callous. They right. If you, keep, if you keep using them. Now it doesn't hurt anymore. Even right? girls, like I like callous up. Like I don't care. Like, oh yeah. Like it doesn't bother me one yeah, bit. Yeah, my fiance is a fitness trainer too. So she, she's, I mean, she's very fit, very athletic and she constantly worries about, oh my God, I got these callous. I'm like, babe, don't worry about it. Yeah. It comes with the territory. Totally. I couldn't care less. Yeah. No. no. It shows that you actually do something that's yeah. cool. Like I don't. Push yourself, get yeah. a little uncomfortable. Exactly. We like that. Anyways, I didn't mean to tangent you there. No, no. But, but yeah, it was, um, so anyways, I, when I got to, uh, after I had reached out, after everything happened, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I remember, re I remember the email he sent me and I was like, you know what? I should reach out to him because I need a place to train. I have some people that are interested in working with me in a small group setting. So I reached out and, um, you know, I talked I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him. And now one of my, one of my managers, her name is Megan and she's like my fitness manager. She's amazing. I mean, just truly loves people. And, you know, I, I credit a lot of the gym's success, you know, 
to her, to Chris, to Tony, to this group that I have. But at the time she was just a coach there. And I talked with Tony and as I'm leaving, I'm like, I go with Megan and I'm like, Hey, I didn't know her at the time. And I'm like, how do you like working here? And she's like, I love it. It's one of the best places I've ever been. I love this place. I was like, all right, I left there and I was like, man, that, that gives me just a really good feeling and it really just made me feel wholesome. And, uh, so I, I reached out and I was like, you know what, let's go forward with it. Um, so I was just kind of running space for them to, to just host my own classes, train my own clients. I was paying rent. That's all I was doing. And I was one day I was sitting there waiting for a client to show up and a couple of the business partners walked in and she like walked in with her husband and her kid and she's like walking around and just checking out the club. And I introduced myself and I was like, Hey, you know, and she's like, Oh yeah, I'm one of the owners of the gym. And I was like, Oh cool. I'd, you know, I feel like I could help and you know, my background's corporate fitness, you know, and I'd love to sit down and share some ideas. And she's like, sure, why not? So she gives me her number and, um, I reached out to her. She set up a meeting with now my business partners, Dario and Jacqueline and, and herself, her name is Laura. And so we all sat down and we had a meeting and, and it was like, I didn't really know what I was going into. I was like, I got some ideas and I was like, and then she left and I was like, what are those ideas? Um, I need to think <laughs> about those ideas right now. I need to figure it out uh, before this meeting happens. And so I like wrote out some things and I, it's funny because I look back on it now and those notes, I mean, almost every one of those notes we've hit um, and it was a lot of just growth. And, you know, one of it was like hosting um, one event every month. And I think now we're up to three. It's been a fun journey. They, they've, they've been tremendous partners. I mean, because they, these people... They're, they're not in it to like be billionaires. They're in it to truly, they wanted to create a space and a community for people in East Austin. They were at a gym, gym closed down. They were um, figuring, trying to figure out like, where are we gonna bring all these people? We have this huge community, all this equipment. You know, the person that was running it didn't do a very good job, so we're gonna buy them out and let's figure out what we're gonna do. And that's kind of what East Austin Athletic Club turned into. And it was a kind of a side project, right? They, were, they weren't really, there was three classes a day not much going on one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one at lunchtime, and then one in like at six o'clock, I think it was. So it was just kind of like a side hustle at that point. And I came in there and I looked at this and I was like, man, this is a blank canvas. There's so much potential to this gym. And, and yeah, I mean, it's been, I wish I could say like, this is the exact thing that we did that really is the catalyst of these, of the success of the club. But you know, it's been so many things, you know, it's so many little things that add up to one big, what feels like overnight success. What would you guess are some of those things? Like what are some of the pillars of that? And for the record, it's a dope gym. Obviously we connected cause we did a yeah. community workout at your gym and it's a freaking awesome facility. I can see it'd be cold cause it's massive. Huge. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, if you were to pinpoint maybe just a couple of those pillars, like what do you feel like they are? Well, we like to say that we're a com like, like I said in the beginning, this it's a relationship based business. And so we do a really good job of taking care of our staff and our coaches. Um, we, you know, I try to be as competitive as I can be with pay. You know, we try to give them every opportunity to make extra money. We and then we just genuinely care about them. You know, we, we host meetings and a lot of the meetings that we have is like, OK, now we've talked about me. What about you? How are you feeling? Right. Like and how are things going on at the club? And so when you put the time and you pay the respect to your coaches, right, like all kind of going back to respect, you go and you respect your coaches. They in turn respect your clients. The clients then in return respect the business. And then it's a cycle, right? Like everybody, it's a trickle down effect of just treating everybody how they, how you would want to be treated, right? Like I got treated one way at an, at, you know, in, a, in the corporate side of fitness. And I promised myself, I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to treat my members and my staff the same way. Right. And so when we focus on the relationships, right. in the community, I think that's a big part of it. You know, we, 
anybody can make anybody sweat. Like a workout isn't all the time unique, right? Like you could have the greatest workout and you could be a really good coach, but at the end of the day, we're all doing squats. We're all doing bench press. We're all pushing things. We're all jumping, right? And how you program it might be a little different, might vary a different way here and there. But ultimately what makes a, a gym successful is the, is the community, right? And is the people that fill the building. Cause at that point it's just a building. It's just equipment. There's nothing that makes it special. And it's the people inside that it's the, the time that we pay attention to the details of like sending out the programming the night on Sundays to make sure that our, our members know what to expect for that week. Mm. It's every time somebody walks in, it's not just sometimes it's every person that walks through the door. It's, like you just walked into a house party like yo what's going on high fives how are you doing how are the kids how was the thing how was work you just went on your trip how was that trip it's not just hey welcome all right cool 5 30 you're checked in all right cool have fun your coach is gonna be so-and-so that's not that's just getting in getting your workout in and going home you're not creating a sustainable like community and that's what ultimately has brought kept people coming is, is the community, is the people, is some people are driving from North Austin all the way over to the east side just so they could be a part of that community. I think community is a big part of it. I like that you said the word house party because actually that was going to be my next question is like what do you feel like the culture of East Austin Athletic Club is? And the reason that I asked that is that I've talked to most of the gym owners or I'm just like connected with obviously not shocking all the gym yeah. owners around <laughs> town of like Lyft ATX kind of has that more like cool vibe Latina, Latina type thing or you look at like squat it's got more of the like animal yoga flow barefoot in the turf or you yeah. look at like heat boot camps got their own kind of culture going on or you look at all these gyms and they all have their kind of like unique culture that kind yeah. of makes them what they are right what do you feel like the culture is of your gym i mean you would it's a lot of out of town people so it's a big mix of all kinds of personalities you get i mean but what makes it so unique is the acceptingness of it all and just kind of letting giving people the space to kind of be themselves and i think as far as the culture is concerned it's it's just nothing but yeah, like good vibes and 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 a home, you know, a home away from home, if you will, for people that that aren't from Austin, and a lot of us on the east side aren't from Austin, and um, that gives just again, it's a, it's a home for people. So mm. when you know you can expect when you walk into the gym, you're gonna see in any class, you're gonna see a couple of people that you that you know that you've talked with. We pair a lot of people up. We force the we force that on people we want people to like pair up in groups and like two to a squat rack kind of thing because it forces them to talk it forces them to build that relationship with each other and um Love that. and so uh last april we did a we bought out an entire section in q2 stadium and and did a soccer game for our members i was convinced when i bought the tickets in early march that i was gonna have to eat a few i was like i'm gonna there's no way we're gonna sell this out i mean i'm gonna have to buy you know, I'm, I'm unfortunately I'm gonna have to probably pay for a couple of these tickets on my own and give them out for free or whatever. And it sold out within two weeks. I mean, it just like <laughs> people were like eager to be a part of this. Right. And, um, it's cool. It's just, yeah, that, that it's just, people want a place to hang out, you know, cause a lot of these people, they work in these sales jobs and their only social time is at the club mm. is when they come in and they see the coach, they see these people. I take the five o'clock every single day and I know every single person in that five o'clock class. And when there's somebody new, it's like, welcome to the family. Like almost weird, like welcome. And you're like, oh, and it's like, hey guys, chill. They're, they'll join when they're ready. Don't like uh, osmosis them into our cult, right? Like we wanna, <laughs> it's like very, it's just almost too welcoming in that sense where sometimes it's like, hey guys, just let these, let the person, if sometimes you can tell this person just kind of wants to show up and do their own thing. But just the welcoming nature of it, we have some members that are just like, hey, you're new? 
awesome. Let me let me show you how great this place. Come is. over for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Like right? people are in their other each other's weddings, and I'm like, how long you know each other? It's like, well, oh, I've only we met each other at the gym. We've been friends for over a year, and now they're in each other's wedding. It's yeah, it's wild. I love that. What it's reminded me of, I had Daniel Hinojosa on the show. Do you know him? Lift ATX? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's awesome. I love that guy. But he talks about just the concept of picnic tables. He's like, the hack for his gym are picnic tables. Because what happens is, is people like, they bring their meals, they sit around, they have their protein shakes, whatever. And they just like sit around the picnic tables and just bond and connect. Because yeah. it's like a space to socialize and hang out with yeah. their community. And I was yeah. like, what a freaking genius idea. You got, you got something in common, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're all going to the, you work out at the same place. You all enjoy fitness yeah. and that can be the, just a base level of their friendship. And then everything just blossoms into out from that. Yeah. I want to ping you on this idea of mentorship. I'm sure you've had a number of it in your life. <clears throat> I know even from just like your father aspect of just being a very attention detailed oriented guy. And maybe like, what are some of the other mentorships in your life that you've noticed that have been like, had a good impact on your life essentially? Yeah, there's um, a regional coach in California from Orange Theory, this guy named Corey. Um, Great name. And yeah, Corey Cranning, one just in a truly remarkable leader and somebody that really helped me get in my where I'm at today. I think he was a big, big influential part of my life because he kind of gave me the confidence to pursue this because, he, you know, he saw I came in and I wanted to work front desk. I was like, I'm here to just learn. And he's like, man, I see something in you. I think you're more right. You're ready for more than that. And he was right. And that's kind of, and, and that level of confidence that he gave me was like, I continue to carry that with me. Um, and another one is my business, current business partner, his name is Dario and he's a huge mentor in my life. I mean, that guy's a big reason to my success and, and to the success of the club because you know, it helps that he works in risk management uh, for a you know Fortune 500 company. So he's good at understanding the risks and helping me mitigate as you know as big of a risk if we we're going to do something like okay, how can we mitigate the the risk or maybe see if you know it's not going to be as impactful if we do fail. And he's in that thought process has really helped me to make some really good decisions. And and then that pro- thought process helped me realize that like oh that decision wasn't such a good idea. Mm. And and we were able to pull the silver lining from it and be like, okay, well that wasn't a good idea, but you know, maybe this is the learning lesson that we're going to gain from it. They're like examples can be, you know, trying to get different partnerships with different employees or trying to put people maybe in a certain position where I think they'd be successful. And then ultimately maybe I set them up for failure because I expected too much from them and kind of learning from those mistakes. And, and now they being a better understanding of that, he's really helped me understand like, pushing knowing like where people's strengths are where my strengths are and identifying that so this is sometimes a challenging question so i'll give you a second to think about it but what do you feel like is maybe the most expensive mistake you've made through with your business and this could be monetarily or emotionally and i mean just like when i'm thinking about my own business as well i think the one that i've made just to like give you a second to think here is that uh, basically saying yes to too many things. Yeah. I have a tendency to kind of want to help and serve people. And I feel like I generally can in most cases, but it oftentimes doesn't serve both people the best by saying yes to a lot of things. I'd be curious as to you, if you have any examples of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've definitely taken the road, not like the road more stupid, you know, um, <laughs> more times than I care. Um, but I would say that, you know, the most the one that sticks out in my mind is, um, for the business side, we're, we're, um, I would say probably the more personally, probably the decision of, you know, allowing my coaches to sign people in. And, and that, that was a very dumb decision. Like that cost me a good portion. But again, 
that was it was again for my benefit right but it was a costly mistake but ultimately it was it was a i think a good mistake if there can be such a thing but um i think currently one that sticks out in mind in, in regards to the business is we had a very popular class called barbell strength and we took that class off the schedule because it was kind of operating as a small group training class mm -hmm. and the way that we want to structure the classes for the businesses to have them large group you have large group training and then we're now starting to offer small group training so if somebody wants to pay a little bit more to have only three other people working out with them in a more personal training experience we're starting to offer that and if it wasn't if the class wasn't available to be put to made to be made into a 20 person workout like where it could fit 20 people safely and efficiently then we had to rethink it and um the fortunate thing is that particular class had a very very strong following of regulars excuse me and we didn't do such a good job on communicating kind of the whys behind we're taking it away and the way that it looked was we're taking this class that's really well loved by people and we're just going to put it behind a paywall you want you like it great we're going to make you pay a little extra for it and that's kind of how it looked and really the intention was it was more so from a safety perspective you know you can't have 20 people doing snatches and power cleans and things like that it just can get dangerous and and especially with the intention of the class it was very sport specific very techniques focused and these classes were an hour and a half long there were only eight people so it was a very you know very well coached I and mean, our coaches too are like one of them is a wor former world champion from Ireland and the other one competes currently and so hmm. these are really well like Colm Whelan and Chris Kim they're like some of the best coaches and I think in Austin uh, maybe not well known but very talented Olympic lifting coaches and you know and, and so I was like all right I want you guys to continue to do this but I want to pay you more because I'm worried that someone's gonna come along and say, hey, I'll pay you more for this class. And I, so I said, I wanna give them opportunity to make more. So we're gonna take this class off, this, off the large group schedule and I'm gonna give them, I'm gonna challenge them to grow their own small group training. And they were able to do that. And so it, it was a little bit of a learning curve in terms of the communication, right? We should have done better because we had to sit down with a lot of these people that were diehard for that barbell strength class. And we had to say like, hey, this is kind of the why behind it. And once we explained the why, they were like, oh, mm that's such a great idea. I'm all on board. Where can I sign up? And, you know, it, at first it was a very, it was a big, it was a, a time suck because I'm sitting here putting out fires for something that we sh shouldn't have had fires in the first place. So that's kind of one that kind of sticks out in my mind. Do you compete in any athletic endeavors yourself? I should, I would like to, but, um, no, mm, I should. Do you know what high rocks is? Yeah. So we did a high rocks at our gym and it was so much fun. I did the mile barefoot and in a barefoot shoe because I was like not expecting to do the mile. And then I had like an injury with my knee. I was like attacked by a dog completely unrelated. And so my knee was like, I couldn't do squats or I couldn't do like burpees, but I could run. And it was like a scrape. It was like a skin thing. It wasn't like anything structural to my knee. It was like I had a cut in like squatting deep hurt. So like the only thing I was left with was running. And all I had with me that day was my Vivo barefoot shoes. And I, hadn't run in probably a year from oh, that point jesus so i did a mile trying to like pr you know in barefoot <laughs> shoes so needless to say i couldn't walk for like three days afterwards because my calves and like my quads were just completely shot but it was a really fun i mean the community that was like what we're talking about as far as community yeah. that is such a fun yep. community event that we do that we did and we're trying to get them to come back out and do another one sometime in the summer oh yeah i'm competing in my first one in november 
uh, actually with my buddy Ross. We're going to do a doubles. Oh, nice. Yeah. Pretty pumped about it. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And Swift events. I know you had Leon mm-hmm. recently and Swift events there. We just had a conversation with them a couple of days ago on Monday, I think. And so we're going to do something. And I, I don't know, hopefully I'm not spilling the beans on this, but we're going to be doing an event in June and it's going to be like kind of permitting all the, like, it's going to be like a little fitness company competition called battle of the gyms. And so we'll be hearing more and more about it as we get closer to the date, but it's all these different gyms in the area. And, uh, and if you know anybody, I'd definitely reach out to Lee and be like, Hey, I have some gym owners that might be interested in it because we're trying to focus on like the community. And I think one of our ideas was getting, if a gym is like, say he boot camp, they're really good at like the high intensity boot camp stuff. Like Danny is like his ex- exercise, you know, Danny Parson pitch. I, I'm completely butchering his name, but he's one of the owners of the heat. His workouts are always crazy. You can always learn something in his class, not just a workout, you're going to learn a new move. Hmm. I think like, and so what we do is we take what that gym is really, really good at, and then you make a station out of it. And then we're going to create a competition. Each gym is going to represent themselves. Like we're a strength and conditioning gym. So our idea is to do like, you know, 185, how many deadlifts can you do in a minute? And for guys, and then like 125 for girls, how many deadlifts can you do? And it's like, everybody on your team gets a minute and how many deadlifts you get is like summarize that number. So like hmm. these ideas, these kind of fitness competitions So we're trying to work out one here in Austin. And then the idea is to, is to do another Austin fittest and try to bring that back. So we're going to try to bring back Austin's fittest here and, and try to get some real fitness competitions going, kind of work with on it on that and all these local companies and try to get some real competitions that are just, I mean, we have high rocks and stuff, which is great. But I think something local to Austin, yeah. like Austin's fittest. Imagine like getting a world championship belt, like you know, like like the world, like a WWE style world championship belt to say like Austin's fittest. You know, I want it. I think that'd be so cool. Sign me up, right? I want it. By the time this episode comes out, it'll probably be around June, so it might be just coming up. Actually, oh. I don't know Danny. I know Hater though. Yeah, uh, but, Hater's my guy. I yeah, love yeah. that guy. Yeah, he's so awesome. Nice. I've been meaning to get him on the show, but uh, oh, he'd be great. So. What's the future of Easton Austin Athletic Club? Where are you guys going? So we we bought the names to North, South, West, Central Austin Athletic Club. So, you know, the goal is I don't know if we're going to get all, you know, every part of the compass done. But I think we definitely are looking into expanding right now. We know we're kind of just testing and seeing where we're at. I mean, real estate in Austin is so expensive. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And um, so that it's it's. It's going to be a work in progress, but we're, we're planning on growing it. And, you know, that's, you know, I'm really excited about what we have. I think, you know, we're going to continue to polish and smooth out the rough edges and, you know, continue to, to grow. But, you know, from where we started and where we're at now, we've made leaps and bounds. And I think what we have is really, really special as far as the community goes. The workouts are amazing. The programming is, is really good, you know, especially I think, kind of go on a tangent, but like where the mark, the fitness space is going, you're seeing a lot of studios trying to incorporate strength training. They want people like, and especially I think Austin being such a fit fit city, I feel like we're on the leading edge of all things that are fitness, right? Like we are in the front of the change and and the, the, where the industry is going. Like they look in Austin and you can, you walk, look around the city, go to the supermarkets, go to, go to the movies people are fit in this city people Very. work out Very. and and so when austin is like the the when the member when the community is like we want strength training you can guarantee that the rest of the country is a year behind or they're or they're already thinking about it and um the class like we do called physique is a primarily strength training class i always tell people it's like if you were to go to gold's gym this is what you're going to do monday's lower body we do squats tuesday's upper body we do bench press and shoulder press Wednesday is back to legs. We do hip thrusts and RDLs. Thursday is upper body. We do 
bench, uh, bent over row and pull-ups. Friday's like a total body. We do deadlifts, just a little bit of like supersets, things like that. So it's purely strength training, very little cardio. Ignite's on the opposite end. Ignite is purely focused on the conditioning, the high intensity intervals, the running, the jumping. And then Ascend is like our CrossFit type class where you're gonna see more, you know, kind of functional fitness type of things, equal strength training, equal running. We don't call it CrossFit, um, but it's gonna be of that same, you know, crawl, CrossFit adjacent, if you will. You know? I've been basically a physique bodybuilder style most of my life up until probably the last maybe three or four months. And I've gotten hard into the conditioning side of things, which is why I did the BPN half marathon here not that long ago. And I can tell you, man, I was shocked on actually how much carryover there has been from diving into a modality I don't normally do yeah. and how much it's like actually helped with a lot of my weight training. It's actually baffled me. I yeah. thought it would hinder it. It's actually, I'm probably, I mean, just I'm, go for longer. Oh yeah. Conditioning has gotten yeah. a thousand times better. And so it's actually crazy. I've been adding in a lot of like jump, jumping rope between sets and love jumping rope, pushing a sled, pulling a sled. I love Ben Patrick. So I'm always about mm. like knees over toes, like pulling sleds, like really ATG split squat. So that's a lot of stuff that I like to program into those workouts. Mm -hmm. And so we're programming in like mobility beforehand. And then we do a little bit of strength and then we go into the accessory work and finish with some core or like arms if it's on a Tuesday or Thursday, but it's a really well-balanced workout. And it's like our most, the most popular class. I mean, by far. And it's because what people want, people want strength training. People want to lift weights and the average person doesn't necessarily like running on a treadmill and beating themselves to death like that. And maybe they just want to lift weights three times a week and get strong. And, and that's kind of what we've done. And I think as long as we can take that workout with us, I think we'll be fine. Totally. Well, I think, yeah, for the average human, the weight training is definitely totally. way better bang for your buck yeah. in regards to just general overall health. But for like somebody like me who like wants to compete at a high level, I can't get around the conditioning. Like I have to do you it. You have to do it. Yeah, for gotta sure. Gotta run, gotta yeah. row. Yeah, erg, assault bike. Assault all the, bike. All those things. Oh, yeah. Assault bikes are amazing. <laughs> I love them. I have uh, 10 rapid fire questions. It's whatever yeah. the first thing is that comes to mind. What's your best business advice? Surround yourself with really smart people. Great advice. What's your favorite part about entrepreneurship? The freedom. When are you the most productive? The morning, definitely. How early of a morning are we talking here? 5 a.m. every day. Ooh, okay. Best marketing advice? Um, don't be afraid to do it. Just get out there and, and get marketing. And don't worry about what people say because that was a big thing is, is posting and all that stuff on social media. I get so nervous about it. But when it comes to the business, I can hide behind that. Mm. I can be like, oh, this is the club posting and not really me. So they're going to not judge me for me, you know. Um, but I got to get over that. I can help you out with that. I might know the answer to this question, but who is your inspiration? Yeah, my dad. Yeah, definitely. Figured. Tell me one secret about you or something just most people don't know about you. Huge gamer. Still? Love. Oh, dude. It's when I am not actively thinking about it. And, and so, okay, I have a problem with being too hard on myself. So if I'm not doing something, I'm like, you're a loser. You're not, you know, like I'm so hard on myself in that sense. But when I finally can like let myself go, I wish I was like, I'm a reader. Or I'm like, I like to sit out and just look and think. But I'm like, if I have a time, if I have time, I'm... nothing about your personality feels like you could just sit and think, dude, the ADHD is real. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. But, um, I've been able to like meditate my way off of Ritalin as a child. So it was nice, but no video games is like kind of my escape. I love Wait, hold on. Pa. Is that for real? What? You were able to meditate your way off of Ritalin? I was able to focus my, not necessarily meditate, but I mean, if you want to call it that, just really focus and concentrate on not like telling myself that I don't need it and um, 
And then as I've gotten older to really concentrate, I have to hmm. 10, 15 minutes. Otherwise, if I'm not my, uh, I am a hundred percent in every direction. You seem pretty dialed in. I mean, yeah, you have a lot of energy, but you seem pretty dialed yeah. in. I was, believe it or not, people are always shocked by this. I'm actually sort of shocked by this. I was actually prescribed Ritalin as a kid as well. I think they do that. I think they just did that to everybody, which was yeah. the worst thing ever. I decided not to take it. I hated the way it made me feel. But Dude, I, my parents tried everything. I was bad. And I tried everything. <laughs> Anyways, go on with your questions. When were, <laughs> when were you the happiest? Right now. What is, what's yeah. your favorite app or resource that you're using right now? My favorite app? Um gosh i mean the the one that i use the most i'm a big baseball nerd so that sounds terrible but like i don't know i try to stay off my phone as far as i try to just use the internet i use youtube i guess youtube the app is as much i mean i'm always on that learning about something same yeah that's a big one for me what's your favorite part about austin and you can't say the people oh man i just love how much how much there is to do i mean there is no shortage of activities and if you like music, there's, that's there. If you like comedy, now that's there. If you like active, it's out there. I love paddleboarding. So when, when it's now that's paddleboard season, um, we're going to be paddleboarding at least once a weekend, taking the dogs out. So oh, and I think another thing too is how dog friendly this place is. Mm. I mean, you can take your dog almost anywhere. And, um, and I really like that about it. And obviously I don't like the poop, the dog poop that gets left behind by most people. But, um, but in most cases, I feel like just being so friendly and, and being able to bring your dog with you wherever you go. That's a huge part. I love that. I got super into dog sitting the last like maybe four to five months now. And now I do it all the time. And it's, the, it's the greatest gig of all time. Not yeah. only that, but actually as of recently, my lease is actually ending at the end of the month. And there's a service called Trusted House Sitters, where basically it's like a network where people travel and then you can stay in their house for free. So I have like a few of these like month long stays because oh, I awesome. won't have a lease for the next like couple months. And so it's like, that's awesome. I, it's the, <laughs> they live in like these really nice houses. Yes. They're, oh, they're always man. super nice. There's actually one right out in Bastrop and they have like chickens and goats and these two Australian shepherds. And, uh, I'm super excited about That'll it. That'll be fun. I'm super we'll excited. Try your hand at farming. Yeah. <laughs> well, just keeping making sure the animals don't die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to farm anything, <laughs> but, uh, I have one last question before I ask that question though. I want to acknowledge you, man, for, pouring your energy into the Austin community for starting a community here that people are really gravitating towards and getting a lot of value out of for that, man. being honest with some of the mistakes that you've made, especially about like some of the integrity stuff. And cause I can relate to those in so many ways and for just bringing really great energy. You're just Thanks, really man. fun to be around. So Thanks, bro. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely have to uh, do this again. Yeah. You know? And then hang outside of these podcasts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love this man. It's like my favorite thing ever. But uh, before I ask my last question, what's your plug? Where can people find you? Yeah, I mean, just find us at East Austin Athletic Club, you know, on Instagram, eastaustinathleticclub.com. Um, you know, if you want to find me personally, I don't post anything fun or anything like that, but it's just, you know, Brendan Fellows on Instagram. And, um, you know, you can keep up to date with my dogs and my fiance if that interests anybody. But if you really care about, like, more so what I'm doing professionally and the fitness side, the stuff that really matters, uh, East Austin Athletic Club. What kind of dogs do you have? I have a German Shepherd mix. His name is Maverick. He's seven years old. I got him in Huntington Beach. And he's like a little beach dog. Mm. I got him because I'm a big Top Gun fan. Same. And then Bear is me and my fiance's dog. We got him together from Austin Pets Alive. And he's like our our firstborn child, if you will, together. Maverick's like the one I took in from the past relationship. And then Bear's like, holy cow, dude. If you thought a dog is coddled and loved this, my fiance loves that dog. And Mm. it's like her own child, so... That's beautiful. Yeah, I had to celebrate Mother's Day with her. So 
My last question is really whatever your best piece of advice is. And that would be to probably you starting this journey of getting into East Austin Athletic Club of like, if you were to go back to ground zero and talk to somebody else in that same circumstance, or even to yourself, when you just started getting into like starting this business and growing this business and getting to where you are today, what's maybe the best piece of advice you would give to your younger self or anybody else in that position? Just don't give up. You know, I think there were so many opportunities where I could have just gave up and took the easy road. And, and I think with entrepreneurship, there's going to be so many challenges and there's going to be so many easy opportunities for you to just quit and give up. I've had my share of them. And I think if, you know, I'm happy I never listened to those doubts and maybe, you know, giving myself that advice, maybe not have done so much because I didn't give into the doubts, but I think ultimately had I, had I did, I don't think I would have been as happy in, in the life that I'm at right now. And so I think just, you know, the biggest piece of advice, especially for somebody out there listening, that is thinking about taking that next step and taking that, you know, should I do it? Should I not trust yourself? Again, everything happens to your benefit. As long as you're going into it with the right intentions and with the right, I think, energy, right? Like I think you're my, one of my best friends likes to say your vibration, right? And I think how you, the energy that you bring in, into anything, I think that carries a lot of weight. And just be true to yourself and just, don't, like I said, just don't give up, you know. Well, you have great energy, man. So appreciate you. Thanks, Thanks for man. being on the show. This was so much fun, bro. Thank Thanks. you, man. For sure, brother. Appreciate it. Hey friend, thanks for listening to the show. And if you have any feedback for me about the show or any other guests that you'd want to see in the show, definitely shoot me a message. I love engaging with my audience and figuring out how I can provide the best value possible to the people listening to this show. Before you go, I only have one ask of you and that would be to check on my three tips Tuesday newsletter. It's three marketing tips every Tuesday specifically for the health and fitness entrepreneur to help them attract new leads. If you press the link in the description, it'll take you directly to the archive of all my previous newsletters and you can decide for yourself if it's something for you. If you end up finding it helpful, you can just sign up for the newsletter and you'll get it in your inbox every Tuesday. Thanks again and keep hustling my friends.